How about you, man? How did you, how did you achieve so much in your young life? I mean, being a ball player when you don't look like you could run at all, man. <laughs> you know, he, 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 jump, he can jump about four inches. And when I looked at his football picture, he had pads on, shoulder pads, where he couldn't get his arm up even. It's the Magical Coach Podcast. My name's Ron Main, chairman of the Larry Bruno Foundation, and I'd like to get started. I'm, uh, I'm excited, but we, we want to stay on a timeline. We know that our banquets in the past have gone till 9, 10 o'clock. Our goal is to have you out here at 8.30. But the purpose for being here is to hear these people that are being inducted tonight because their stories are all about our culture and why you, all of us, are here. We're here to listen to them. All five of our inductees have come out of the community of Beaver Falls and Blackhawk. We've had, yeah, let's give out a hand of applause, right? One of our inductees, Dr. Higgins, who's going to have open heart surgery this coming weekend, or I think it's Monday, she's having her second valve replacement, came out of Penn Hills area, but she was dedicated to the educational system of Beaver Falls for over 14 years. And what a wonderful story she is, and we're missing her, but she contributed to what we all know is our educational community, and that's why she was chosen tonight. So um, our story is, a, is come out of the magical coach. We know that as Larry Bruno, and Joe will testify, Namath will testify that. He taught Joe the magic that Larry taught all of us. So, so anyway, we're here to listen to their stories their knowledge, their experience, so that we can go away and take and tell our offsprings how our learning in Beaver Falls, Black Hawk, Rochester, because Gumpy Evansberger taught school in Rochester. He took the culture that he grew up in Beaver Falls and spread it over to the Rochester community. So tonight we're proud to honor these guys, or these guys and girls, these folks who contributed their accomplishments with some worthy recognition. And our recognition is to listen to them because we're going to fire questions at them and hopefully we can gain some knowledge from them because we do seek knowledge and we want to purvey the knowledge to our generations after us. So if you've attended any of these our banquets, this is our eighth year, if you can believe that. It's the 10th year that we've been in existence. In 2008, we started at Brady's Run by honoring Larry Bruno, and we had over 1,000 people there that night. And many of you might have been there. How many raising hands were there in 2008 at Larry Bruno testimony? Wow, great. It was a great story. There was every coach... And a lot of them were Italians, because that was the Italian coaching of the day. But uh, that was one of our best events. So this is our eighth one. And every one of the ones passed was the Honorable Judge Rick Mancini, who I'm going to introduce here in a one few seconds. But I've been his substitute to take over tonight. But I'm going to be temporary, because I'm going to call him up right now. But before I do that, I want to read his bio so that you understand. And we're going to read, read each of our inductees bios and the team from 1961 baseball team that went 9-0 and and beat some of the best in Pittsburgh. So Rick, this is, uh, I call him Rick because 
our families go back to uh, since I was a little kid in the church in New Brighton, the Italian Christian church, and his grandfather was uh, actually baptized me and drowned me in water so I came up a new guy. But uh, it's been a long time ago. So while at Beaver Falls, Rick Mancini was both a scholar and an athlete. He was president of the Beaver Falls School from his sophomore, junior, and senior years as a class. He also was a WPIL all-star in both football and baseball. Played on the Beaver Falls American Legion team that won the county championship in regional divisions. Also, as a senior, he was a leading scorer, and this is big time, at the Beaver County YMCA. <laughs> but after that, years in high school, Coach Mancini went on. He wasn't Coach Mancini. He was coached by Larry Bruno, and he accepted a full scholarship at the University of Louisville. I hope I pronounced that right. All right, Louisville, <laughs> where he was a letterman as a receiver and special teams player before attending Ohio Northern University for law school, and he was elected the class president in college. So he's been running for president all this time. <laughs> After practicing law with a company in Cleveland, Ohio, he returned to Beaver Falls, where he was established his law firm, and at the same time became the football coach with Larry Bruno. Was we with Larry Bruno? He played for him, but he ended up coaching at Beaver Falls, where they won the 1984 WPIL championship in the double-A football. In 1989, he was named as the head coach at Beaver Falls. And a few years later, he took the Tigers to the MAC Conference double-A championship. And in 1993, he was selected as the Parkway Coach of the Year. He was also teaching at that time constitutional law at Geneva College and was selected to Strathammer's list of notable persons in Western Pennsylvania. So I think that's pretty good. After 25 years as an attorney, he was elected as a judge in the Beaver County Court of Common Pleas. Last year, he became Beaver County's president judge. So all those years, he learned to be a president, and that's what he's doing today. In 2007, he was inducted into the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame, and tonight, I think is a bigger honor, and I'm sorry, Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame, but the Larry Bruno Foundation is inducting him to join the 47 other inductees into our wonderful, wonderful. I think he deserves a standing ovation. That's good. Come on up, Judge. Ron, I am glad you were only my temporary substitute, or we'd be here all week. First of all, uh, let me say this. It's an extreme honor to be one of this year's inductees. Being recognized by your friends and your peers, I believe, is the highest compliment that anyone can receive. So I want you to know that I accept this honor with tremendous humility. And let me say this. In the words of my Italian Pentecostal preaching grandfather, 
Soli Dio Gloria. To God alone be the glory. All right, now I want you to meet the rest of our inductees. First of all, one of our inductees, and you will see her picture on the cover of the program, Dr. Jean Higgins, could not be with us tonight. She, at the last moment, had to have heart surgery scheduled for tomorrow morning. So she's not going to make it, but let me tell you a little bit about her. 1984 was the beginning of the 14-year award-winning term of Dr. Jean Higgins as superintendent at Beaver Falls High School. During her first year at Beaver Falls, she guided the school district through a teacher strike, which enabled the athletic teams to have unparalleled success in winning WPIL titles. And she led the district to one of the highest academic ratings in the Commonwealth. She began her career in Penn Hill School District, where she would become principal and then assistant superintendent before coming to Beaver Falls. She is a graduate of Allegheny Valley High School, Slippery Rock University, West Virginia University, and the University of Pittsburgh, where she earned a doctor's degree in administration. After retiring from education in 1998, Dr. Higgins served as president of the Beaver Falls Carnegie Library, and tonight she is being inducted into the Larry Bruno Foundation Circle of Achievement. Dr. Jean Higgins. Jim Gumpy Ebersberger. First at Beaver Falls High School, then at Geneva College, where he continued to earn recognition as a pass receiver, Jim Ebersberger was a star on the gridiron before embarking on a 46-year teaching and coaching career at Rochester High School. He taught social studies and driver's education and started as an assistant coach in football and track before becoming a successful head coach in both sports. He coached both the boys and the girls track teams and led his boys track team to a WPL championship and the PIAA state finals. He also served as the school's athletic director for more than 18 years. While continuing as a teacher and head track coach at Rochester, he came to Beaver Falls as the assistant head football coach and defensive coordinator for a term that included the undefeated 1984 WPL champion Tigers. In 1990, he was inducted into the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame. Tonight, he is being inducted into the Larry Bruno Foundation Circle of Achievement. Coach Jim Ebersberg. Earlier this year, uh, we lost a, a dear man, a dear member of the community, and I'm referring to our next inductee, Tony Asaldo. Now tonight, he's being represented by his namesake and his son, Anthony Asaldo. For three decades, Tony was the head coach of the Cobble Panther Midget Football Program, and during that time, he prepared hundreds of young men for Coach Larry Bruno's Fighting Tiger football team. He led his team to four division titles, two Beaver County Pop Warner Championships, and the Pop Warner National Championship in 1969. At Elwood City High School, Tony excelled at both baseball and football before continuing his baseball career with the United States Army Colonels by playing ball while serving our country. When he returned to Koppel, he dedicated himself to the community as a coach and supporter of the baseball and football teams in the Beaver Falls and Blackhawk School Districts. He was honored by the Pennsylvania House of Representatives because of his outstanding coaching achievements and immeasurable contributions to the community. Tonight, he is being honored by his induction into the Larry Bruno Foundation Circle of Achievement. Tony Asaldo.
I just received a uh, message from the Pennsylvania State Police. They want to know where all the people from Koppel went. <laughs> because there's nobody in town. Robert Rocky Washington. Following his graduation from Beaver Falls High School, Rocky was a star in basketball and baseball at Penn State Beaver Campus. In 1981, the Cincinnati Reds signed him to a major league contract, and he played in the minors for one season before moving on to Penn State's main campus, where he decided to play football for the Nittany Lions. He was a three-year letterman as a wide receiver and special teams player, and was a member of the 1982 National Championship team. In 1985, he was selected by Baltimore of the United States Football League. However, he decided to use his master's degree by pursuing a career in marketing and business. He received multiple honors and recognitions as an award-winning motivational sales director in the marketing of sophisticated medical products. He is currently the executive director of clinical operations and medical development for Spectrum Pharmaceuticals. While he was in college, the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame recognized him for his scholastic achievement and then in 2008, they inducted him into their Hall of Fame. Tonight, he is being inducted into the Larry Bruno Foundation Circle of Achievement. Rocky Washington. <laughs> Colonel Dr. Eugene Polka. While most of us watch from afar, Colonel Gene Polka was in Iraq in support of the commander of a division during Operation Iraqi Freedom. A veteran of both the Afghanistan and Iraq wars, he is the recipient of numerous military awards, including the Bronze Star. A graduate of Beaver Falls High School, the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, Ohio University, and the University of North Carolina, where he received his Ph.D., Dr. Polka served in the U.S. Army for more than 33 years as a commissioned officer. While at Beaver Falls High School, he was an all-conference all-star in both football and baseball, and as an outstanding pitcher on the American Legion team, coached by his father, he helped his team win the county, district, and regional championships. And I can vouch for that because I was on that team. And Gene was a great pitcher, and his father was a great coach. During his senior year, he was also a captain for Coach Bruno's MAC champions and the recipient of the Joe Namath Award and the MVP in the Beaver County CYO Basketball League has his team won the county championship. Now, I was in the YMCA League. You, you avoided me in the CYO League. <laughs> at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, he played both football and baseball, and after graduation, returned as an instructor for the nationally ranked Army wrestling team while working with the Army football team. An accomplished professor, researcher, and author, Dr. Polka currently serves as the Vice President for Student Success at Eastern Kentucky University. In 2007, his father was inducted into the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame. And tonight, Dr. Gene Polka, my former teammate, is being inducted into the Larry Bruno Foundation Circle of Achievement. During the 1961 season, the Beaver Falls High School baseball team were section champions. 
They were coached by Leland Shackran, a Beaver Falls coaching icon in both baseball and football, who also coached Larry Bruno while he played football at East Liverpool High School. They entered the WPL playoffs behind the spectacular pitching of Boyd Gillingham, the stellar defensive plays of Tom Krasminski, and the powerful hitting by Joe Namath and Lonnie Hogue. The Tigers worked their way through the playoffs and earned a spot in the WPL championship game at historic Forbes Field. Despite being decided underdogs, the Tigers won the championship by a score of 4-1. to one. The game featured a spectacular running catch made by Lonnie Hogue, which many say saved the game for the Tigers. Boyd Gillingham was the winning pitcher, Bill Damasca the leading hitter, and Joe Namath had two hits, including the game-winning RBI. The Tigers finished the season as the undefeated WPIL champions. Tonight, we have a few gentlemen representing the team, and I'm going to ask them to come forward now. We have Tom Carter, Lonnie Hogue, and Joe Namath. Now, in my introduction to the inductees of the team, I mentioned a few of the highlights. Their complete bios are listed in the program, and I would encourage you, when you have a moment, to take time and read them, because I think you'll learn a little bit more about them. All right, at this time, I would like uh, for anyone who is seated in the audience who is a veteran of the military, of the armed services, if you would please stand. And now I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we salute America with our, our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose bright stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or oh, the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave By the way, that was Samuel Mancini, who's related to me. I taught him everything he knows. If you don't believe me, I'll see you in the hall afterwards. We'll sing my old Kentucky home. How's that? Okay. Uh, we we're going to get a little bit of exercise here, and I apologize for that. But where is uh, Dr. Colonel Polk? He's right behind me. Uh, at this time, I'm going to ask 
Dr. Colonel Eugene Polka, a veteran of both the Afghan and Iraqi wars, to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. And the flag is being held by U.S. Army veteran, 82nd Airborne Division Paratrooper, Jack Clouds. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, you can be seated. To those of us who grew up in Beaver Falls, we will always be grateful to one of the most ardent supporters of our youth, the award-winning longtime journalist and sports writer, Joe Tronzo. He made our efforts seem worthwhile and publicly promoted everyone, whether you were a star or a backup player. He was appropriately enshrined in the Beaver County Sports Hall of Fame, and in 2015, he was inducted into the Larry Bruno Foundation Circle of Achievement. And tonight, we are privileged to have his daughter, the Reverend Jan Tronzo Davis, and she is going to give us the invocation. Dear wise and wonderful God, we come humbly before you this evening, praising your holy name and thanking you for the many, many blessings you bestow upon each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for the mission and the vision of Larry Bruno and this foundation. May you continue to bless all the inductees, honorees, awardees, and their loved ones who are so proud of their many achievements. We ask a special blessing on the family and friends of those loved ones who have gone on to be with you in glory or those who are unable to be with us tonight. As we partake of this food, may it be nourishment to our bodies as we leave here to do your work in this world. As we fellowship around these tables, may you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' most precious name, and all God's people say, Amen. Thank you. Okay, one other matter before we officially eat. Uh, this is a very important matter. I am going to ask the members of the 1961 Fighting Tiger baseball team if you would come up on the stage for a moment. Joe? Lonnie, Tom, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. Turn it over to me. All right. Well, thank you, folks, for coming out tonight. Uh, it's a wonderful occasion. And just with these two guys here, uh, without Tom, Lonnie, and I certainly wouldn't have had the year that we had with the Fighting Tigers. Uh, Tom ran the clubhouse. He ran everything for us. And we were just on the field playing once in a while. And I want to apologize here in public to Lonnie because for the last 50 years, I've been accusing him of almost killing me. When I was stealing home plate against Beaver, he swung and he, he foul tipped the ball or he butted. Anyway, I missed the signal. The coach had given a squeeze play signal and I didn't understand that. I was just going home, man, and I was flying. And Lonnie, uh, I apologize, buddy. He foul-tipped the ball, by the way, and we beat Beaver, and we beat everybody. Yes, we did. Yes, we did, Joe. Uh, thank you for that, Joe. That was not necessary. That's, that's been my 50 minutes of fame with you. Now it's gone. <laughs> you know, um, I remember our team. You talked about dreams last night, and when I was a teacher, 
I would tell my seniors about having a dream, having a plan, and that's true, but you had to have a team. And we had a good team. From one through eight, I understand that eighth batter was over a 400 hitter, and he played right field. <laughs> uh, in case you might wonder, he was our right fielder. <laughs> but as they say, and I want to thank the foundation for this honor, long overdue, we were the first high school team to be, win a championship. And I always tell people when they say, where are you from? I say, once a tiger, always a tiger. I, th I think a lot of people in here already know this uh, little story. Joe and I missed the bus going to the WPL championship game. We ended up, we had to drive in his car, a 1952 Ford with no back seat, had no back seat. It was dark gray primer on the bottom, green, shiny, olive green top. And uh, we had to go to New Brighton, get money for the uh, gas off his father. Freedom Bypass was a, still a dream, so it took like an hour and a half to get through Freedom. Then he stopped somewhere to get a big old bag of black cherries. And that's what we ate on the ride up there, black cherries. We get up to the uh, Forbes Field. and They had a dinner at Johnny Zarno's, and we missed that, so we were late for that. So we went to Forbes Field. When we get there, team is still having batting practice in Shaq. All the guys from Beer Falls know Shaq. He, he was his own man. That's why he left the bus without us. <laughs> and we walk in, and Coach uh, and Shaq says, where are you knuckleheads been? I said, oh, well, we're here. And he told Joe, he said, Namath, get in there and take a couple swings. And I'm not positive if this is the way it was, but I think it was. The first pitch to him in batting practice, he hit over the 406 mark where Maz hit that home run. <laughs> And I'm telling you, that, that's what happened. First pitch, bang, went, went over to defense, you know. So, anyway, that's how we got to the game that day. And we drove home by ourselves in the car. <laughs> Thank you. Folks, thanks for coming. And we're going to cherish this for the rest of our lives. Right, buddy? Okay, everyone, enjoy your meal. We'll be back after supper. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep eating, but I'm going to get the program started because the hour will get late very quickly. So please continue to eat. And I just asked if you can just try to pay a little attention, uh, but I want to get things moving before it gets dark. I think Rocky, you have a tea time here tonight? No? Okay. All right, first of all, uh, I would like to introduce and recognize the members of the Larry Bruno Foundation Board and uh, I will quickly mention their names. Uh, first of all, we have our president, Ron Main. One of our founding members, uh, Ken Thomas. Our treasurer, Artie DeSisto. Our solicitor, Pete Petrandria. Pete, are you still representing Artie? <laughs> Our Hall of Achievement Director, Steve Higgins. Our Event Coordinator, Ed DeRose. 
our communications director, Bob Rickey. Our school district liaison, Jim Carbone. Our executive advisor, Joe Namath. And I am the board's uh, probation and parole officer. And we also have one of our founding board members uh, who moved to Ohio, but he still keeps in touch, Ed Giannini, Coach Ed Giannini. And again, continue to eat, but I do want to recognize uh, some special guests we have. The list is rather lengthy, so please hold your applause until I'm done with everyone, then we can give them a round of applause. Uh, but we have several of our past inductees here. And when I, when I call your name, if you just quickly stand, please. Jim Campbell, Coach Frank Chan, Kathy Ciccarelli, Bill Ross, and Tom Ross representing their father, Bill Ross. Bruno Campisi, Barb DeChilly representing Lou DeChilly, Jack Damasca, Jan Tronzo Davis rep representing Joe Tronzo, Coach Carl Flory, <laughs> Coach Ted Heath. Where's Coach Heath? There he is, Coach Heath from Louisville by way of Beaver Falls. Judge Tookie James. Tom Krasminski, represented by Val and Ed Krasminski. Luann Gazzetti Richardson. Terry Turconi. Joe Ursita, Coach Joe Ursita. And representing Coach Bruno, Dave Wright, who is Coach Bruno's son-in-law. Did I miss any of our past inductees? If so, please, please let me know. I just went by the list. If I missed anyone, please, somebody let me know. Okay. We have a couple other special guests. And again, I'll do this quickly. We have some of our elected officials from Beaver County here, representing the entire county. We have Judge Dale Faust. Judge Jim Ross, Judge Kim Tesla, our court administrator, Bill Hare, and his staff, uh, Garrett and Aileen. Now, so if any of you think that you want to get excited tonight and maybe overdo it, I would suggest you get to know the people at that table uh, because you may be meeting them sooner than you think. We have uh, a few members from our County Hall of Fame here. Uh, these are individuals who were elected into the Be uh, Beaver County Countywide Hall of Fame. Lefty Dionisio, Jack Fullen, Alan Guandola, and also our foundation is in partnership uh, with the Beaver Falls Carnegie Library. And we have the director with us tonight, Gene Barsotti. And we also have an affiliation uh, with Geneva College. And we have two individuals who I believe are outstanding representatives of Geneva College here with us. One of them is a gentleman who was coaching when most of us were playing, my age, were playing at Beaver Falls. He was Coach Bruno's right-hand man. 
Then he went on to coach in New Brighton, and he's a record-setting quarterback at Geneva College. Coach Larry Matrazzo is here somewhere. And we also have a gentleman here who maybe some of you do not know, but he was the former head coach at Geneva College. He was an All-American at Syracuse University playing with Jim Brown. He went on to be drafted by the Steelers, and he actually played with Joe Walton with the Redskins and the New York Giants. And he also happens to be my uncle, Dick Lassie. And uh, a special word of thanks to two gentlemen who have provided a measurable contribution uh, to make things happen, not just this weekend, but in all the years past. Uh, and that is Mr. Pat Nardelli. And from Brewster's, Mr. Bruce Reed. Obviously, Bruce isn't from Koppel. He didn't get nearly the... All right. Okay, well, thank you. All right, tonight we have with us two scholarship winners. Every year, as a foundation, we give scholarship awards, uh, mainly to Beaver Falls High School, but we also include Blackhawk in that. And every year we indicate to the football coaches at both schools that we will present an award to a player of their choosing. And uh, both Beaver Falls and Blackhawk had individuals who were given those awards, and we honored them last night. We also honored a few other young students last night and gave them a gift. Tonight, these two young students were with us, but they are here, they were with us last night and are here with us again tonight. They received their awards based on, in effect, an anonymous choice. And what I mean by that is we asked the superintendent of Beaver Falls High School to give us resumes for who she believes are deserving students. And then we as a board review those resumes. There are no names on them. We just look at the qualifications. And then every year we pick out the top two, in our mind the top two, to award them scholarships. And again, it's an anonymous selection. We don't know who they are until after we indicate which resumes we designated. And while athletics is a factor, it is not the controlling factor. We are more interested in academics and activities. So we're very proud tonight to have two young Beaver Falls High School graduates with us. And I'm going to ask them to come up at this moment. Uh, Laura Catherine Rose, where's Laura? And Curtis Pagley. All right, now, if I were to tell you all that they have done and all that they have accomplished in the few years they've been on this earth, we would probably be here past midnight. So I'm going to give you a quick summary of each. First, Laura Rose. She's a member of the National Honor Society. She was recognized for academic excellence for achieving a 4.0 grade point average. She's Rotary Club Student of the Month. She was a participant in the Beaver County Distinguished Young Woman Competition. She is a Midwestern Athletic Conference student athlete and received an award for that. And she is a recipient of several other scholarships and awards. She will attend Slippery Rock University in the fall and major in industrial systems engineering. Laura Catherine Rose. <laughs> Curtis Pagley. 
He is the president of the National Honor Society. He was recognized for academic excellence with a 4.0 grade point average. And he just happens to be the valedictorian of this past year's senior class. He was a Rotary Club Student of the Month, West Point Leadership Award winner, and I know Dr. Polka enjoy that. He was a member of the football team, and he received the Eric Malak Academic Award, and he was the recipient of several other awards. He will attend Robert Morris University in the fall and major in finance. Curtis Pagley. I feel smarter just by standing next to him. Okay, this year we have two awards in their inaugural season. The first one being the William R. Livingston II Scholarship. And I'm going to ask the members of that committee if you would please come up to the stage. Most of you, I think, probably either knew or knew of Bill Livingston. Bill was a 1969 graduate of Beaver Falls High School, and he was one of the most genuine, caring, and friendly people you would ever want to meet. After graduating from community college and the Pennsylvania State Police Academy, he began a 23-year career as a law enforcement officer that culminated with him being the chief of police of the Patterson Township Police Department which happens to be where I live, and I had to call him quite a few times, but not for me. <laughs> he then received his Magisterial District Judge Certification, and in November of 2015 was appointed by the governor to the position of District Judge for the Beaver Falls area, and was reelected without opposition in the following years. Sadly, Bill passed away in 2016, and is survived by his wife, Christine, and family. Bill was a personal friend of mine and a, a fellow believer in the gospel. He and I had a lot of good talks together. And as the president judge, there was never any doubt in my mind that I could count on Judge Livingston to do the right thing in treating all who appeared before him both fairly and appropriately. He was a credit to our justice system. Some of Bill's closest friends, and I'm going to read the names, um, most if not all who are standing up here, John Luce, Cheryl Maine, Joanne Mania, Dennis Russo, Francis Tuno, Joe White, and Barbara White. They decided to continue his legacy by creating the William R. Livingston II Scholarship Fund to benefit those who share Bill's commitment to community service through their work for the betterment of our local public safety. And the recipient of the first scholarship award is Felicity Johnson. And where's Felicity? There she comes, okay. A student at Community College of Beaver County majoring in criminal justice with a current grade point average of 3.85, she is striving to become a detective with the Pennsylvania State Police. I'll bet that made some of you nervous right away, didn't it? Yeah. At age 15, she became a junior firefighter with the Rochester Fire Department. Now she is a state certified firefighter and a trained emergency medical responder. She's a graduate of Rochester High School, where amongst other activities, she was vice president of her senior class and vice president of the National Honor Society and co-captain of the color guard in the marching band. And on behalf of the William R. Livingston Memorial Scholarship Committee, it is my pleasure to recognize this year's recipient, Felicity Johnson.
Thank you very much. Congratulations. God bless you. Joe Tronzo, you already heard a little bit about him. And where is Jan? Jan, do you want to come back up? The Tronzo family has long been a staple in the Beaver Falls community. No one symbolizes the pride and spirit of the Fighting Tigers more than them. A big family with a rich history involved in all levels and types of activity year-round, working with young and old alike. Tom, Eugene, Vince, Bill, Frank, Olivia, Taddy, and perhaps the most visible, Joe. The Tronzo family developed and funded this award to recognize those who give tirelessly of themselves for the betterment of our fellow citizens. Tonight, as I said, the family is represented by the Reverend Jan Tronzo Davis, daughter of Joe Tronzo, and of course she gave us the invocation. The first annual recipient of the Tronzo Community Excellence Award are Steve and Rebecca Salapek. In 1994, as members of the Beaver Falls Christian Assembly Church, Steve and Becky, with the support of their pastor, Reverend Del Russo, decided to host a free Christmas dinner in their church on 8th Avenue. All were welcome, regardless of their place in society, to not only enjoy a good meal, but to share in fellowship in the true spirit of the Christmas season. And no one left hungry. All were blessed, and the children all received a special gift. This past year marked their 24th free Christmas dinner where they served close to 1,500 people with the help of more than 400 volunteers and contributors. And the, uh, the dinner was uh, moved to the Beaver Falls High School. How long ago was that? I think it's eight years. Eight years ago because the facility they were using just wasn't big enough. So now every year on Christmas Day, and, I, and I'm very serious about this, anyone that you know that needs a place to go, needs a meal, tell them to go to Beaver Falls High School. And Rebecca and Steve and many others will be there ready and willing to welcome them, help them, and serve them. Next year will be their silver anniversary, and I'm sure it will be even bigger. And for their tremendous work, with the Christian Assembly Care Outreach Ministry, Steve and Becky Salapek are the recipients of the first Tronzo Community Excellence Award. All right, at this time, I am going to ask my fellow inductees if they would come forward Coach Jim Gumpy Eppersberger, who's being inducted for a lifetime of coaching the culture in both academics and athletic achievement. Tony Asaldo, represented by his son, Anthony. He's being inducted for guiding youth sports toward team building and business leadership in the community. Robert Rocky Washington. Business leadership applying academic and athletic achievements in building a successful business. You can go ahead and have a seat. Dr. Colonel Gene Polka, military leadership. Using the lessons he learned at home to lead the nation's military. And I also will 
be getting grilled like the rest of you are going to be grilled here in a moment. The thing is, I'm going to take part in the grilling, and uh, but Joe's the one that's really going to give it to you. So Joe, if you would please uh, come up. Now, we do it a little differently, as you may have uh, recognized. We do not have them stand up here and give you long, drawn-out speeches. What we're going to do is we're going to ask some questions that I believe will give each inductee the opportunity to tell you a little bit about themselves and what brought them here tonight and what allowed them to achieve what they achieved. All right, so let's, let's get it started here. Uh, you know what, Joe? I'll, let, me, let me ask Coach Gumpy the first question. Many of us are familiar with the Beaver Falls football program beginning with the Coach Bruno era in the 60s and beyond. You were a star player at Beaver Falls in the 1950s. Who was your coach, and what was it like playing for Beaver Falls back in the 50s? Well, Rick, uh, really, back in the 50s, we were pretty good. <laughs> I mean, at our sophomore year, we were 9-1. Junior year, we were 8-2. My senior year, we slipped a little bit. But we played hard. Our coach, uh, my sophomore year, was Sha uh, Mr. Shackwin. The junior year and senior year, it was Mr. Cutler. Okay. Now, of course, you came back and we coached together in 1984 as assistants on the coaching staff of Bob Blythe that won the WPL championship and went undefeated. What did you see different in Beaver Falls football then as compared to when you played? Well, we had tough kids back then, but I think it was more organized later on. I don't remember having the meetings and so forth that we had later on in coaching. Okay. And, yeah, and I agree. I mean, I thought we were well organized and there was a lot of support right. from the booster group. All right. Um, Anthony, Koppel is a tight-knit community, and like all of Western PA, football is king, which made your dad the toast of the town. Now, I know you played for him. What was that like? So, um First, I want to say uh, I, I'm here really tonight to accept this for my father, but really it's to accept it for, for the entire town of Koppel. And they're all here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Koppel is a tight-knit community. Uh, a lot of my dad's players are here today, too. And um, I think a lot of them would describe it as probably at the time maybe the worst experience of their life, but also the best experience of their life. My dad was really tough. He was all about the fundamentals. Um, we worked really hard at practice. We got banged up at practice a lot. Um, I did want to say there are definitely some line, um, linemen here. And I wanted to, um, there, inevitably during practice, um, we got tired, right? And there was at some point, every lineman probably got a, had a sloppy stance. And my father, again, was all about the fundamentals. So inevitably, they probably got a size 11 across their behind, and they ended up face down um, on the field. So I wanted to apologize to all the linemen here and, tonight. And I, I, I will say to your mother, Darlene, the statute of limitations has expired, so don't worry about that. But it, it was a great experience. Um, he was very much about the fundamentals. My father was a very humble man. Um, he, his, his thing was, um, you don't talk off the field, you, you show on the field. Um, and so he was all about working hard and um, being strong in the fundamentals. Joe, any questions you want to ask anybody? Not yet. Okay. All right. Rocky, your athletic career began after high school. How did growing up in Beaver Falls prepare you for the next level? Well, let me, let me just say this. Um, the benefit that I had that 
most never had is that I was never afraid of anything. That was the difference with me. And I came from a family that was really like the United Nation, you know, because everybody in my family were black, were light, were bright, and were white. So, so I, get a, I get a different view. I, I, I kind of get a different view of people. And so I was always really accepting of everybody, regardless of who you are. So when it came for me to really compete, fear never crept in me. So when it was my chance to go ahead and play, I was ready for that stage. And that stage was set at the little playground. It was set around the tetherball pole. It was set on the Mount Washington basketball courts. So wherever I went, you know, Dave Wright, you know, we'd play bowling with him. We would compete there. So when I had to go to the ultimate stage, I was always ready. And that's obvious. Yeah. And what, let me ask you this, uh, what was it like coming off of Mount Washington and playing on a basketball court that had a net on the basket? <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> hey. You don't think I've been about Mount Washington a few times? Well, let me just say this to you. You get used to chasing that ball. <laughs> Dr. Polka, while you were at Beaver Falls High School, you excelled in both athletics and academics. When you think back on those years, what memories stand out? There are no academic highlights that come to mind. Uh, <laughs> and I say that in all due respect to some terrific teachers who are here. <laughs> I think my best academic courses were study halls <laughs> so that I could get out early to get to football, baseball, or basketball practice. <laughs> Athletically, there were championships uh, and championship teams and teammates and coaches. And uh, uh, I think the people always come to mind quickly for me. Uh, and every time I return home, uh, we kind of pick up where we left off. But one area that I do remember vividly was Coach Bruno, Bruno's game week itinerary. I'll put aside Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but Thursday nights were practice under the lights. And for us, it was at the Polo Field in Darlington or Reeves Stadium. But we got to wear those orange sweats and orange helmets and orange shoes. And uh, the boosters always had a Klondike from Isley's and an apple uh, that we could get on the way out of the locker room. And uh, Friday mornings were special because we went to church. And I'm not sure you're, you're even allowed to do that anymore. But we would meet before school at about four different churches around town. And uh, different denominations would go in different directions. And we'd have our little Beer Falls Tiger tie and blazer on. And I went to St. Mary's, and Coach Bruno always made it a point to sit one row behind us. So if you came in late, you had two bad choices. Walk in front of him or sit behind him, and he had eyes in the back of his head. So you didn't come in late. But that was, I think that was special to do that as a team. And that was mandatory. That was mandatory. And, and I, can, I can tell you how I can attest to that. Because being full-blooded Italian, he assumed I was Catholic. But I'm Pentecostal. So I would go to the Protestant church where Coach Har would be. So my sophomore year, Coach Bruno got me out of class, called me in to see him. And I thought, well, I had a pretty good practice last night. You know, maybe I'm getting promoted. And I walked in and he said, when are you going to start coming to church on Friday mornings? 
I said, Coach, I've been coming. I'm, I just don't go to the Catholic Church. That's right. But he kept track of that. Uh, yes, he did. And, of course, those Friday night bus rides up to the stadium past the Cork Works, uh, and we rode those old city buses with the big windows. Uh, that was an exciting time. And then Saturday mornings, it didn't matter if we won or lost, home or away, uh, we were on the field with helmets and shorts at 9 o'clock. And I think that was Coach Bruno's strategy to keep us from going out after the games on Saturday night. And I think he was right 50% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember that game week itinerary and uh, a lot of good memories. What, you know what, Joe? Gene said he sort of slacked off in academics when he was in high school. Do you want to fill him in on what he should have been doing? You know what, folks? I swear this is a, a wonderful occasion. Now, I am humbled to be next to these guys, I promise you. They have done so many wonderful things in their lifetime that uh, I certainly couldn't measure up to, but uh, I respect, just like all of you respect what they've done. Gene, what he's been through, man, uh, I can't imagine. I, I, I don't know about the military life and what he's seen over there and how he's endured, how he's led people. Uh, I, I'm just wanting to say thank you. Thank you. I, I know Rich and I... Rick and I talked earlier about a game plan. Well, you know what, Tukey? Game plans change sometimes, right, brother? You, we got to change them. And Jackie Damasca, hello, sir. These are guys. Evansburger? Are you kidding me? I was, a, well, younger. Uh, I started to say I was a kid when I was watching him play, man, and uh, he thrilled me. Uh, I wanted to be like these guys when I grew up. Be like these guys. When I see what Rocky's done in his young lifetime, uh, I'm stunned. I, honest to God, am stunned that a man has been so active, productive, and righteous, and he's still a young man. Rocky, thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. And, you know, Coach Tony, I, 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 we only crossed paths. I didn't know, and we had talked earlier about your dad being inducted. And uh, I didn't realize how influential he was with so many people, so many youngsters that have grown up to be leaders in our society. But the influence that these coaches have on we ball players at young ages, middle ages, etc., is just wonderful. And we thank God for what he did for so many people. Now, Rick, how about you, man? How did you, how did you achieve so much in your young life? I mean, being a ball player when you don't look like you could run at all, man. <laughs> you know, he, 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 jump, he can jump about four inches. <laughs> and when I looked at his football picture, he had pads on, shoulder pads, where he couldn't get his arm up even, you know. I mean, how did you do it? Did you, you, we all attribute some things, many of them, to where we started out at home. And Rick, tell us, well, how did you, well, tell me something about your family at home to start with. Well, first of all, I, I want to let you know that everything I did that you just described, I was modeling after you. <laughs> because you were always my hero. Uh, but yes, I grew up in a tremendous family, um, a very strong Christian home. Um, unfortunately, both my mother and father have since passed away, 
uh, but they certainly left a profound influence on me. And I had mentioned earlier about my grandfather, who was my pastor. And I, I wouldn't trade my upbringing for anything in the world. And, I, and I'm very proud to have uh, my family members here with me tonight, and I'm sure all of you do, and we'll get to that in a moment. But since you brought that up, I will address that now. Uh, I mentioned my Uncle Dick Lassie is here. My Aunt Dorothy, who is my mother's youngest sister, is here. Uh, my cousin Debbie, who was like my sister growing up across the street. Her husband, Ed Kasperic, who was one of my assistant coaches when I was at Beaver Falls. And then, of course, there's my wife and uh, two of my children. You, you met one of mine when he sang the national anthem. Uh, my father-in-law is here. We're just a tight-knit group, and that's what it's all about. And I've heard you say that also. Uh, I think that is probably the most attractive thing about our region, and that is that we, unlike a lot of places in this country, have held on to the true value of being a family. Um, and that, that is so important. And, and I can tell you, uh, as one who presides over cases, that it's not difficult to figure out why some people go in the wrong direction, and that is because they don't have that support that others have. And, and I and my fellow judges, who are my extended family now, we're always mindful of that. We never take for granted the fact that we had solid upbringings, and we have individuals appear before us who did not have that good fortune, and that makes a difference. Uh, but there is no doubt God has blessed me, my family, and I believe he has blessed Beaver County because we hold true to those values. You know, I'd like to hear from each of these guys up here if they'd tell us a little bit about themselves, what drove you to do accomplish these things, or who'd you learn it from, and uh, I don't know, why don't we start with the uh, comp over there, what do you say? Come on, you can I'm speed it up, buddy. I'm trying to get the buddy. mic out. Well, first of all, I come from the Delmar neighborhood, okay? And just like you said earlier, I mean, Bucky Mushler was my idol. I used to run the railroad tracks with him. Uh, there were so many good athletes in that downtown area. So you wanted to not be disappointed. I see Dick Cairns back here, Ed D. Rose. They were mentors. They were the older people. Dick Cairns, I made a mistake one time. He almost killed me. He strangled me. <laughs> He told me not to shoot, and I shot, and I missed. <laughs> and remember back then, when you played on the street, you, you lose when you sit down. But, uh, Joe, that's, that's what it was. You just wanted to be part of, part of it. Well, you know, uh, again, I, I was influenced by these guys like you were. Rocky, how about you? Who, who influenced you? Uh, I can't even pronounce the work that you do that with the pharmaceutical systems and all the, the Describe what you, you're doing with that. You describe what I'm doing professionally? Briefly. Okay. <laughs> so currently, I'm the executive director of both operations and medical development. I used to do pharmaceutical sales, but that got boring to me. I really wanted to really have a complete, comprehensive, panoramic view of basically how the anatomy and physiology actually works. So I decided that I wanted to go into research. So currently what I'm working on, I'm working on a drug that I'm responsible not only for the U.S., but, uh, but for Europe. So I have Spain, I have France, I have Italy, I have the Netherlands, Poland, and I have uh, Budapest. But this drug that I'm working on is very unique. It's for the Exxon 20. It's for the non-small cell lung cancer. It's a very deadly cancer in that you don't have to smoke, you don't drink, 
It just for some reason, it just appears. And I'm just happy that this part of my life, that I have an opportunity to work on something so special that hopefully one day is going to save somebody's life. So. Rocky, yes, thank you, man. You know, Rock, Rock, you said your upbringing was like the United Nations. Well, I see you've carried that forward because you are working with every nation. And that's, that's tremendous. That is really tremendous. Well, you know what? Speaking of working with different nations, Dr. Gene, you spent time in a few different nations. And you were in, in battle in both Iraq and Afghanistan. What, what was that like? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is it makes you grateful for the freedoms that we have here and so many of the things that we take for granted. Um, never a complaint. Uh, it, it was also very humbling to serve alongside great young men and young women. Uh, if you brought 10 people up to the stage, they would describe their experiences 10 different ways because it was always based on their responsibility, the unit to which they were assigned, and, and where they were located. But there was never a day that I wasn't grateful for the folks alongside me uh, because you really couldn't take care of yourself in places like that. You had to rely on your buddies to take care of you, and you took care of them. I think what I'm most grateful for, though, is uh, the great reception we get coming back home and for the continual support that folks like you in this room show uh, to the young men and women who serve. So they were eye-opening experiences, uh, sometimes a little bit nerve-wracking, but you lose sight of all that and you just focus on doing your job and taking care of your buddy. One guy that I've heard uh, address this a couple of times is um, a young man that Cindy and I were really close to, uh, Alejandro Villanueva with the Pittsburgh Steelers. More articulate than I am, but I've heard Ali ask that question several times, and to him it always comes back to taking care of teammates, which is what he's doing right now. So, great experiences, um, and, and I appreciate the support that we're given. Uh, Anthony, your father was a star athlete in his own right. As mentioned earlier, he went to Elwood City High School. He was the quarterback. Did he ever talk to you about his playing days? He definitely talked about playing sports, um, but what he would more talk about would be um, his coach um, at Elwood City. Cuomo, I believe, was his name. He talked about him a lot. My dad was not one to brag, especially about himself. So he talked more about the influences um, of other people and the impact that other people had on him more so than things that happened. I mean, he did talk, there was one really big game where Elwood City, he played for Elwood City, in those days Coppa went to Elwood City. He played for Elwood City and um, they beat uh, Newcastle. It was a big game for them in 1954. So he was, um, he was really proud of that. Uh, we had a scrapbook of, of his from high school of all of his games. And so we would look at that occasionally. Um, but he more talked about the influence that others had on him. Knowing your dad as I knew him, I can just picture that, that that's the perspective he would have on most things. 
Yeah, you know, I, I know we met some of the families last night, but I'd like to see if anybody's out here with you guys tonight. Could you ask uh, your families to stand up, please? I'd like to see them. Jane, where's your family? Over at the table there is my wife, Cindy, uh, my mother, Norma Jane. Next to uh, my mom is my Aunt Sissy and my Uncle Dick, my nephew, Clayton. I have uh, my brother, Michael, my Aunt Joni, and my Uncle Don, and my mother-in-law, Agnes. And then we have an overflow table. <laughs> my twin cousins, uh, Claudette and Claudia, uh, cousin Marlene and her husband, Bill. Uh, Zeke Rafus was our CYO coach, two-time county champions. My cousin Tommy and his wife Heather, cousin Donna and Mary Lou. And we have Paula and Chrissy, my two cousins sitting over here. I would also say, Joe, that I'm blessed with a, a whole bunch of coaches and teachers who are here tonight, along with the friends. And when I think of family, all those coaches and teachers surely enter into that family. Thank you, Gene. God bless all of you as he has us. Rocky, how about you, buddy? You got some family here? Yes, um, my family's right here in front. I have um, my oldest son, Rocky Washington. I have my, my dear friend, Dr. James Tatum. He's one of my really good friends. I have my good, dear friend, Terry Hubbard. I have my good friend, uh, Bob Waldron. I have my good friend, Darcel. I have my excellent friend who I grew up with when we was just little boys, is Robert Nesmith. I have my twins, Blake and Brandon. Um, but I, I, I really want to mention someone here. He's not sitting at my table, but uh, there's two guys in this audience that really had a profound effect on a lot of things I did in life. One is Evans Nardone. I just want to tell a little story about Evans Nardone. I mean, and this is the theme of Beaver Falls. The thing, the thing that, that, that Evan Nardone did for me that really resonates deeply, uh, two things is this. One, I was really bad when I was just a little fella. <laughs> so I would get sent to Mr. Nardone's office all the time. But instead of, instead of Evans Nardone degradating me, culminating my character, trying to berate me, he was kind and gentle. And what he did for me was that he would always give me these seeds. And those seeds that he would give me was to value academia. And it would just be slowly, real slow, it would take place. And by the time I became a senior, I, I, I really started to gravitate to it. And you know what? I could have went to another principal, and I may have been kicked out of school. But Evan saw something different in me. And that's the gift that all of us have but he really manifested it, and he practiced it, and he practiced it on me. The other gentleman here is Dr. Cicerelli. I had Dr. Cicerelli when I was at Penn State. He was, a G, he was my G-side. And who wants to hear, who wants to study rocks and understand that? <laughs> but Dr. Cicerelli really took a special interest in me. And, and, and I'm thinking he's from Beaver Falls, because that's what I always like about the, the community of Beaver Falls. It's a community and, and, the, and the essence of reaching out and helping somebody. And Dr. Cicerelli did that for me when I, was in, when I was at Penn State. So I just wanted to say thank you. If I may, Anthony, I, I have to, I would be remiss if I did not tell this quick story. When we were playing high school baseball, uh, we had a little bit of a slump as a team. We weren't hitting the ball very well. And Mr. Nardone, 
who was our principal, came down to the practice field and he wanted to know what the problem was with our team. Why were we not hitting? He had on a suit and a tie, stepped into the batter's box and proceeded to hit every pitch thrown at him. Line drives, deep fly balls, put the bat down and said, that's how you do it. Oh, man. So um, the, the last question, too, I wanted to add something to that. There are a couple people I wanted to point out, um, close friends of my father's who had a huge impact on him. One is Carl Flory. It was his best friend. They played sports together. They had a long, amazing friendship. And also Jiggy Nardone, who was a, a great friend to my dad and was an amazing coach. If you had a, ever had baseball practice with Jiggy Nardone, you would never forget it, believe me. Um, it was an experience, but he taught you how to hit the ball. So I have a huge family. I also was gonna point out, Evan Nardone is my uncle. And so it's my dad's older brother. And so it's really exciting. My dad's sister is also here, my Aunt Alvita, and Al Alan Guandola is here, that's his nephew. So I wanted to point them out. But my mother, Darlene, my sister Roxanne, my sister Vicky, my sister Nikki, my sister Carrie, my brother-in-laws JD and Randy, um, there's a lot of family here. I also wanna point out my nieces and nephews, Lauren, uh, Austin, Taylor, Anthony, Joe, there's too many here. Another thing that I'm also very proud of, though, is my Uncle Evan's children are here as well, Anita and Anna Marie, but also my cousin Nicholas is the, is the coach of Beaver Falls High School. And so the new coach of Beaver Falls, Nick Nardone. So I wanted to point him out. His father's here. Um, we have a big family, all coming from Koppel. So um, that's all. Thank you. You did. You answered it. You answered the next question I was going to ask you, and that is it a fact that everybody in Koppel is related? Yes. Yes, it is a fact. Yes. Okay, I like to uh, introduce the most important person in my life, my wife, Kathy, back there. With, uh, my, she's sitting with my daughter, Maggie, and her husband, Buddy, and her kids, Emma and Jack. And at the table is uh, Elizabeth and uh, her husband, <laughs> Stephen, and uh, Kristen, my third daughter, and uh, her husband, Dave, and my grandkids, Sean, Ben, and Michael. And uh, I know Erin's just waiting for this, but she was my <laughs> assistant coach. When I was a head coach, she ran the films for me. And her husband, George, and my granddaughter. All right, thank you, Gump. Why I already referenced my family, my lovely wife, Jody, my, my sons and my daughter are here. And I mentioned my extended family, my fellow judges from the courthouse. Uh, but Joe, you prompted me to do this. I have two of my teammates from the University of Louisville who are here with me tonight. My roommate and one of my best lifelong friends, Bob Reiser from Cleveland, Ohio. All right, Bob. And another one of my close friends and former teammates, also from Cleveland, who is one of the leading orthopedic surgeons in Louisville, Dr. Don Pomeroy is here. And the reason why I mentioned them is because 
after those remarks you made about me, I am contacting Coach Petrino, and when the Crimson Tide <laughs> hook up with us the first game of the season, I want to make sure he knows you made disparaging remarks about the Louisville Cardinals. Oh, no. You see that, how these guys twist things around over there? You know what, Rick? I didn't say anything disparaging about those Cardinals. I think they should go to school more often. <laughs> but, you know, being from Alabama or playing there, I should and talk. Huh? Is that what it is? <laughs> Roll Tide! <Yeah. laughs> All right, uh, Gumpy, what prompted you to pursue a career in education? Well, when I graduated from high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I know I like sports. I got chosen to play in the East-West football game. Bob Morgan, coach of Geneva, saw me play said something about going up there, so I figured that'd be a good thing to do. So I went to Geneva, played football, basketball, and baseball. Didn't go to class too often. <laughs> that seems to be a common theme around here. <laughs> so I got greetings and salutations that you're suspended. And by Morgan came to the rescue. And uh, from that point on, I wanted to help people just like he helped me, and that's why I got in education. Anthony, obviously you're the spokesman for the family tonight, and uh, you know your mothers and sisters are here. What do you think they would say if they were sitting up here in your place? What, what do you think they would say about your father? I think that they uh, would say that obviously they're very proud today. Um, it's been a short time since my father passed away, and so we're still in the, just the beginning of the grieving process. Uh, we miss him terribly. I think they would say that um, he was a protector. He was um, always worried about his kids um, and always um, on top of us, making sure we were making good decisions um, and doing the right thing, always asking us if we're working hard and saving money. And I definitely can say I definitely work hard. I'm not saving money, but <laughs> one out of two ain't bad. Um, so, but he was, um, my father was strict <laughs> growing up. He was tough, he wasn't easy, um, but he was kind and he gave everything to his kids, his family, and the people that he cared about. So we miss him a lot um, and we're very, very proud. And that's evident in the respect that's shown to him by the turnout on his behalf, yes. Rock, signed with the Cincinnati Reds, playing baseball. All of a sudden, you decided to go back to Penn State and play football. What in the world possessed you to do that? Well, actually, very unfortunate. Uh, you know, uh, so Eric Davis, I don't know if you guys know Eric Davis, but Eric Davis was the center fielder for Cincinnati Reds. And Eric and I were roommates. And so one day, we were practicing together on another field, and so we wanted to just have some batting practice between one another. And so I was pitching to Eric, and um, you know I was telling him, yeah, I used to be a pitcher when I was a kid, Eric. I was pretty good. And so what I did was I, I threw a curveball to him, and I snapped a tendon off my elbow. And so you know I, I, I've lost like 18 degrees extension. I can't ex extend my, my throwing. So I went from a center fielder to a left fielder. So then it, it dawned on me, you know, that um, this may be short-lived. 
So I decided I was just, I was gonna go back to Penn State. But now I wasn't really sure to tell you the God's truth that I was actually gonna go back to Penn State. I just happened to be watching the game. I was in California and Penn State was playing Pitt. And um, I was watching the game and I said, you know, I think I'm going back to school. And I said, whoever wins this game, I'm just, that's where I'm gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> it's God's truth. I'm, I'm telling you guys, God's truth. Rock. It, 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 is he telling the truth? Yeah, <laughs> so I walked out. You know what? It's a good thing they weren't playing Louisville. You'd have been a Cardinal, buddy. <laughs> and so the, the crazy thing about that is that I remember going to Penn State. You can attest to this, Joe. When I walked in there, the, the lady said, who are you here to see? I said, I'm here to see Coach Paterno. And they said, well, do you have an appointment with Coach Paterno? I said, no. And they said, well, what are you here for? I said, well, I'm here to uh, play football. And so they sent out um, Coach Peter Kuski and John Bove. So they, they walked me into this little office and they said, uh, help, can, can we help you? And I said, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm coming here to, 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 to play football. And so they said, well, can we review your film? This is no bullshit, guys, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> and, and, and I said to him, I said, well, I says, honestly, I said, this is gonna be the first time I play football. <laughs> and said, the guy said, what? And I said, yeah. And, and I said, I know you guys are gonna think this is hard to believe. And he said, he says, son, he says, many people have dreams and aspirations and whatnot of coming here. He says, and, and I cut him off. I cut him off. I said, listen, I said, coach, I said, I'm not here to just play for your team. I'm here to start for your team. I said, I'm not here just to be participating, playing for Penn State. I said, I'm going to be an impact player. And I says, but I need you to just do one thing for me. Just give me a chance. And that's where that fear factor, being in Beaver Falls, living on Mount Washington, I'm not afraid. So he kind of joked and laughed about it and they, they walked away from me, but I waited outside for Coach Paterno to come. And I waited and waited and waited, and he came. And I said to him, I said, Coach, listen, I said, I come a long ways. And I said, all I'm really asking for if you give me an opportunity to show you what I can do. And so normally it would just blow people off, you know, who are walk on, you never played football. But for some reason, he took a liking to me in like 30 seconds. And he said, okay, he says, all right, I'll tell you what, you go in the locker room, he goes in the locker room with me, gets me some shoes, give me some white shorts at the time. My ankle was bruised, taped me up, took me over to the field. Uh, and at that particular time, we were in the indoor sports complex and said, okay, I want this guy to run. So Chet Furman comes over to me. And he's a strength and conditioning coach. And so they said, let's, uh, let's run the 40-yard dash. And this is no BS. I'd never ran a 40-yard dash in my life. <laughs> So I didn't really even know how fast I was in a 40-yard dash. I really didn't know. I knew I could run a 60, but I didn't know how fast I could run a 40. So my first one, I ran a, like a 4-4-2. And then the second one I ran, I ran a 4-4 flat. So they, was, they kept looking at their, their clocks and was like, man, this guy can run. So then the next thing they said was, well, let's see if he can catch the ball. So, you know, 
they, they want you to run this little drill. They throw it over your left shoulder and you catch it this way. And then they roll it on this and they catch it this way. Well, after about two of them, I start catching with one hand this way, right? Then I catch with one hand this way. And then that's when they came back and said, okay, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite you to camp. So I go home and I'm telling my dad, I remember my dad sitting in the chair. And I didn't really make a long story, guys, but I just want you guys really to understand about somebody helping somebody who, who doesn't even know you. Coach Paterno don't know me. He's getting prayed All-American Street and Smith All-Americans, but for some reason he just likes me. I don't know why, but he likes me. We're there for three days. And after three days of camp, Coach Paterno comes to me and says, Rocky, he says, I'm giving you a full scholarship. And I said, okay, coach. <laughs> but the beauty about it is that he never took me off the first team. Because you, when you first come into camp, coach will tell you, you know, there's a foreign team. And those foreign team guys get these white jerseys. So when you come in as a rookie, everybody gets the same color jersey. And at that time, they were blue. So when we came in the locker room after the veterans came in, I was the only guy that had a blue jersey. And some guy said, hey, hey, Rock, you know what? You got a blue, man, you better not walk out with that blue jersey. You know how coach is, he'll go crazy. So I go take my blue jersey up to the, to the window and I say, hey, you guys made a mistake. I got to have one of these white jerseys. They said, no, Rocky, Coach Paterno wants you in that blue jersey. So all I'm really saying to you guys is this. The beauty about living is what Larry Bruno said when we were graduating. He said, life will begin now. And that's when my clock started. Right then when I graduated, I didn't know where I was going, but I didn't have fear of dreaming. And he made that point, Joe Willie made that point last night. No one's ever gonna take away my dreams. I'm just starting to live now. So all I'm telling you guys is that that's the beauty about Beaver Falls. Just keep on believing in you. That is tremendous. All right, uh, Dr. Gene, what made you decide to go to West Point? To be honest, it was football. It was the, uh, what I saw on TV, the Army-Navy football game, was my favorite college football game to watch. And, and as I watched that game growing up, uh, I felt there was something bigger than just that game. And you'd watch the folks in the stands, and you watch the previews before the game, and, and I thought it was something special. But I really didn't know anything about the Army, and I didn't know anything about West Point, and I didn't realize I was probably underprepared academically. But when the first coach from West Point came to Beaver Falls High School to meet me, he was about 6'5", he was an All-American running back. I had watched him in the Army-Navy game. He was a big, strong, impressive handsome guy and I remember my dad always saying if you don't know what you want to be think about who you want to be like and I didn't know this guy his name was Charlie Jarvis but I kind of felt like I wanted to be like that guy and then I was fortunate to fly into LaGuardia Airport and go there for one of my visits and it was just different than any other place that I had been and when I came home and I talked to a teachers and, and uh, coaches uh, about that experience, it was one place where everybody 
seemed to hold it in high regard. And so it made me feel pretty good. It made me feel like this is worth going for. But my pathway, no question about it, was football and, and baseball while I was there. I will say after I got there, uh, the biggest challenge was just being away from home. Uh, my whole family was in Beaver County. Uh, I wasn't prepared for that part. Uh, the physical part was not difficult. The military part wasn't difficult, but being away from home was, was the toughest thing. But every time I came home, family and friends and, and coaches just reassured me that, that they were proud and that served to motivate me even more and I just didn't want to let them down. So it went by quickly, uh, but the pathway was definitely football. And the fact that it was just, it was different. It was different and, uh, and I was impressed by, by who I saw and what they did. Joe, there's just two people I have to reference and then when I'm done, I'm gonna ask you to give us closing comments for tonight, okay? Uh, but I would be remiss if I did not mention that I did speak with Dr. Higgins, one of our inductees, and I asked her uh, a few questions, and she summarized the answer to those questions by saying the following, and this is just a portion of what she said to me. She said that Beaver Falls High School, Beaver Falls School District, gave her the opportunity to be the first female superintendent in the history of Beaver County. And she said her 14 years, during her 14 years with Beaver Falls High School, she found herself in a community similar to where she grew up. She felt very much at home, and during that time developed many solid relationships that fostered positive changes in the district. She also worked closely with the Carnegie Library of Beaver Falls, which she calls a true treasure that we are fortunate to have in our city. Her and her husband, Dr. James Higgins, both retired, still reside in Beaver Falls. And she said that the highlight of her 48 years in education was truly her relationship with the Beaver Falls School District and its people and its community. And certainly our thoughts and prayers go out to Dr. Higgins for a speedy recovery tomorrow. And, and I can tell you, I was the uh, head coach uh, when during part of her term here, and she was so supportive of me and of the program, her along with my good friend Broad Hauser, who was the athletic director at that time. Broad's here somewhere, okay. Um, we, had, we had just so much support. And you know, anybody who's ever coached knows that whenever you're winning, everybody's your friend, you don't need support. But when things don't go so well, then you find out who's really there with you. And during my time coaching, we had some really good years and some not so good years. And I can tell you that during those not so good years, Broad and her really came to the forefront forget me. It was all about the kids. And that's what we were all about. And then the other thing that I think I would be remiss if I did not reference, and that is, uh, well, everybody knows a lot about him, but I will give you a little different perspective. I am the only one who played for Coach Bruno and then also became the head coach of Beaver Falls. Now, maybe that'll change in the future. If one of the uh, old timers, maybe Joe, somebody from your day one day will be the Beaver Falls football coach. But uh, at this point in time, I'm the only one that did both. Now, why do I say that? Well, I think just like most that played for him when he was my coach, I feared him. Uh, he was tough. Discipline was his thing. But he was also very compassionate. Uh, and I think that sort of gets lost in the shuffle when you think about him. 
And I saw that even more so as I matured and as whenever I became the head coach, he would come in and see me usually two times a week in my office and we would talk about different things. And there were situations that would develop with players and I would tell him my thoughts and I would tell him my disciplined thoughts. And I, I'm thinking I'm going to impress him with that because that's his forte. And he would always tell me to back up, ease up a little bit. Don't forget, you're just dealing with young men who are very impressionable and they need you to guide and lead them in the right direction. They don't need you to cast them off. And he would always tell me that, yeah, there's times whenever you have to tell somebody just to walk away. He said, but that should be very, very rare that you do that because there's a young life you're dealing with. And that left a lasting impression on me. And he, he had such an impression on me personally. He and Coach Carl Flory, who was my actually first official coach, he was the junior high coach when I played. Those two gentlemen, um, it's invaluable what I learned from them, being around them. And again, I, I, the, the thing that I like the most is as I got older, I got to know them personally, not just as these iconic coaches, but as individuals. And they are some of the best human beings on this earth. And there is no doubt. There is no doubt that their goal, Coach Flory, and of course we're talking about Coach Bruno, there's no doubt that his goal was to help, help, help people. And that was what I emphasized when I was a coach, to try to help the young men that played for me. And that's the number one thing I learned from Coach Bruno. And I had the privilege of doing the eulogy at both he and his lovely wife, Jenny's funeral. Um, and it's just amazing when you walk on this earth that you meet a lot of people. And in my profession, I meet a lot of people weekly. But Coach Bruno's words, his example, and just the relationship with him never really leaves my mind. And it's been a guiding force in a lot of things that I do. And that's why I'm so proud to be part of the Larry Bruno Foundation. All right, Joe, you want to wrap it up for yeah, us? Yeah, I want to wrap it up. I don't think it could be said any better than what Rick just said. Uh, I want to thank God for myself, for all of us, Linwood, Richie, Rachel, where I was brought up in Beaver Falls. We were brought up in a community that respected one another, cared for one another, and that's what I see tonight, too. I can feel the respect and the love in the room, even though some of you are from Koppel. Uh, <laughs> had to say that part, right? You know. <laughs> but this is about love and respect and leadership, teaching other people, teaching our youngsters how to step up, follow in footsteps. These guys up here, nice going, man. God bless you. I'm serious when I said I'm humbled to be here with these guys to start out with. Rick, thank you, sir. I look forward to next year when we do honor some friends some folks from our community, and continue to visit together and share the love. Thank you. All right, and I could not end without saying this, and I believe that everybody in the room will agree with me, and that is we come from an area that prides itself in having people that go on to do bigger and better things, especially in athletics. And of course, all of our communities have that special someone or someones who come back and contribute. But man, at Beaver Falls, we have the man. 
who comes back every year. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Joe, despite all you've done, when you come home, you're still the former quarterback of the Beaver Falls Fighting Tigers. <laughs> all right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we take our leave, I just pray that God will grant all of you traveling mercies. I pray that his hedge of protection will surround each of you as you go your respective ways. And God be with you until we meet again. Good night, everybody. But I'm going to be back again and again, and I promise you the next time I'm back, I'll be here in the library more than I was in the past, I might say. Thank you.